Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. Have you ever been in the belly of the beast? Uh, an idiom or saying that here means to be in the middle of a very bad situation or a dangerous place. It is often used in the military to describe the moments a soldier spends on enemy territory, crouched in a bunker, gun in hand, the sound of war in your ears. Have you ever been in the belly of a beast? Perhaps you landed in a tricky situation at your own fault or stupidity. That's, I often land in those. Or perhaps you find yourself in a situation that arose by no fault of your own. What do we do in the belly of the beast Well, perhaps we can learn from Jonah. We are in the book of Jonah at the moment, and last week we did uh, Jonah 1 up to verse 16. And uh, I'm just going to read Jonah chapter 2 for us tonight, starting with verse 17 of chapter 1. And it says this, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, in the belly of the beast for three days and three nights. And from inside the fish... Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. That was the first ever bandana that was mentioned in the Bible. The roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. It's a great little ending of chapter 2 there. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. <laughs> Very good. That's the power of prayer. Fish will vomit. That's how powerful prayer is. At first, we, read in, we found out in um, Jonah chapter 1, if you weren't here, just a little recap, we found that uh, at first God wanted to partner with Jonah in reaching the lost, in going to Nineveh, a place where they didn't have God. And God was like, hey, Jonah, will you go to Nineveh and preach the good news? But Jonah didn't want to partner with God, so he ran away. He had no interest in the plan God had for his life. He had no heart for others. He didn't care about God's will, and he ran away. But in a moment of humility, as he gets on a boat, to, he ran away on, in a boat to Tarsus. Is that right, Greg? Tarshish. To Tarshish, near Spain. He's on a boat and, and the storm comes up. God's like, God, you know, God, he's running from God and God sends a storm and the storm rose up and all the people are like, oh no, there's a storm. And Jonah's like, oh, it's probably my fault. And he jumps overboard. And then the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the beast for three days. By God's grace, God sends the first submarine ever mentioned in the Bible. 
he sends a sea taxi, a big fish, a beast. And it's not like when he got into the belly of the fish or the belly, it's not like he was in there having a whale of a time. Thank you. Thank you. It's the only joke I've ever written down. And uh, I really shouldn't write my jokes down. They don't fly as well as when I make them up on the spot. Uh, (laughs) uh, But he did have some other responses. And I want to go through his responses here. And the first response that Jonah had when he ended up in the belly of the beast was to pray. It starts from inside the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. It's interesting. If you go through this prayer, it's called Jonah's prayer. If you're reading in your Bible, the subheading of this is Jonah's prayer. He goes through, he reads this whole long prayer. Some people call it Jonah's psalm or Jonah's song. And did you know that Jonah's prayer, Jonah's psalm, Jonah's song, he really was just a plagiarizer. He stole it from a bunch of other people because the book of Psalms in the Bible, which is essentially like, you know, in old school churches, they have hymnals. Psalms is like the, all the people that wrote songs ended up in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Prophets, King David, all Solomon, all these different people wrote Psalms and Jonah just plagiarized. Did you know that in Jonah's prayer, he quotes Psalm 120, he quotes Psalm 42, he quotes Psalm 69, he quotes Psalm 18, he quotes Psalm 3, and he references many, many, many more. And if, you know, if the theological Bible student was listening to Jonah's prayer, they might be going, he just used that verse out of context. Or they might be going, you can't just pick and choose your Bible verses, Jonah. You can't just pick and choose your Bible verses. It's not for you. That psalm's not about being in the belly of a whale. That psalm's about hiding in the cave from King Saul. You can't do that, Jonah. But Jonah seemingly does. He picks and he chooses. And he reads these psalms, these prayers, these songs that he's heard. I guess he didn't have his Bible with him in the belly of the beast. So he's just trying to remember lines that he's heard of these songs. He's just trying to remember these psalms. And he goes through. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. The current swirled about me and your waves and breaks swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. When you are in the belly of the beast, what is our first response? When we are in the belly of the beast, when I'm in the belly of the beast, I want my first response to be prayer. And it isn't always prayer. Sometimes my first response is... (laughs) Sometimes my first response is... ah. Sometimes my first response is is words that I cannot say in a church building. I really am trying to work on that. I promise, Pastor Craig. (laughs) Excellent. It's part of our discipleship process. My first response, not always prayer, but it should be. We have to come to God. You know, a great way to learn prayer is to like read the book of Psalms. Young people, if you get yourself a Bible, if you start reading through the book of Psalms, it'll teach you what to pray. Jonah never quoted a full Psalm. He never read a full one through, but he must have like heard these Psalms. He must have read these Psalms because they were on his mind. So he just picked and chose because they, he read it. He knew it. So when he was in the belly of the beast, he started bringing these psalms forth. He started referencing these psalms. He knew how to pray. He knew how to praise because he'd read how they prayed. He read how they praised. The 91st Brigade, 
a group of soldiers. Their leader, their sergeant, handed out Psalm 91 on a bunch of little cards, little cards, handed it to every member of his 91st brigade. And on those cards were the words of Psalm 91. Words like, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so all the members of the 91st Brigade, they had their card with Psalm 91 and they all agreed. The sergeant made them all agree. Every morning during World War II, we're going to wake up and we're going to read Psalm 91. Every morning we're going to wake up and we're going to read Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We're going to say it every morning, every day of World War I. As long as you're in the 91st Brigade, we're reading the 91st Psalm every single day. And after they put this into place and they're reading every say, the 91st Brigade are noted down as being part of the three bloodiest battles of World War II. And as far as casualty, these soldiers, it says that they had like a 90% no fatality rate like compared to the rest of all the battles, even though they were in the three bloodiest battles because they made a decision, we're going to wake up every morning and we're going to pray through Psalm 91 as a brigade. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I am so thankful. And we remember today, soldiers, our Australian and New Zealand troops who were in some of the most terrifying situations. And I wonder if that felt like they were in the belly of the beast. And I wonder how many turned to prayer. They say there's not many atheists in the foxholes. The belly of the beast. I want my first response to be prayer. The second thing that Jonah did was he changed his tune. Right at the end it says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And that's what Jonah did. Jonah turned away from God's love. God invited him to partner with him. God invited Jonah to partner with God in in salvation, in bringing the gospel to other lands and other nations and other peoples. And Jonah refused. He turned away. He, He didn't. He did turn away from God's love for them, but I, in the belly of the beast, he makes this decision, but I, with grateful shouts of praise, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord, which means he's saying that I will choose to go to Nineveh and say and tell them salvation comes from the Lord. He changed his tune. You know, sometimes we need to learn to change our tune. Due to many faults of my own, sometimes I've ended up in the belly of the beast. And sometimes when I get myself into those situations, I need to change my tune. I need to change my mindset. I need to change my ways. I need to, the Bible uses this word repent, which just means to turn around and go in the right direction. That's what Lewis needs to decide to do. When Lewis is heading in the wrong direction, it's like when you're playing a video game with a car and you're driving the car and you decide you accidentally go the wrong way on the track because I'm not very good at video games. And the sign comes up on the screen, turn around, you're going the wrong way, turn around. How could you be so silly to go the wrong way? You're going the wrong way. Can't you see all the other cars going the right way? Turn around, you're going the wrong way. And I'm like with my joysticks because I'm, I, I obviously don't have very good dexterity in my fingers. I'm like, why am I so bad at video games? I was not a gamer nerd. But when I 
changed my tune and I turned the car around. I got on the track. I probably came eighth or something. That's better than 12th. Exactly. <laughs> we have to change our tune. In fact, Jesus talks about this. Jesus, or he came, he came preaching and he said, change your tune and believe. Change your direction and trust. It, what it says is repent and believe. But the word repent, it has so many negative connotations. Maybe you've heard that word repent and as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh. But really, it's just like, change your ways, change your tune, change your direction. Come to me. Don't walk in the other direction. Change your ways. Sometimes God is gracious enough to put us in the belly of the beast. Bad situations to bring us to a point where we might change our ways especially if we got ourselves into the belly of the beast like Jonah did. And sometimes we end up in the belly of the beast through no fault of our own. And maybe you're in a situation when you're in the belly of the beast through no fault of your own. And I would still say to you, your first response, I, I pray, let it be prayer. And although maybe it's not like always changing your ways, maybe you can turn and, and help change your mindset. I'm a big believer in Jesus plus counsellors, Jesus, plus people that can help us. I believe that Jesus has empowered people on the earth to help people in situations, whether it be a depre depression, anxiety. I believe God has empowered people on the earth to help us, whether it be a doctor or a counsellor or a psychologist. I believe those things are good. And sometimes even when we didn't put ourselves in those situations, we need to learn to change our mindset and change our ways. Sometimes, yes, there's lots of spiritual stuff, but sometimes there's practical stuff too. And I'm here saying, I am the kind of person who loves to see a counsellor because I need it. <laughs> and you can feel safe to do the same thing. Jonah prayed and he changed his tune. A little story about prayer and changing of tune. I used to live in Terrigal. I've had, I've, I've had some crazy stories in my life. I totally forgot about this season of my life. But there was a stage of my life when I first moved to the coast. Somehow I met my one of my best friends, Eddie Williams, Joe Coffey, from, he, you know, strongest man in Australia, if you've ever heard of him. He's a big guy, I wouldn't mess with him. And uh, he lived in this place in Terrigal. And then when I heard he was moving back to New Zealand, he only moved back for two months. He came straight back. I don't know why. Maybe New Zealand's just not as... I won't, won't go there. Uh, Came straight back, but in that time that he was gone, I moved into his place. And when he moved back to Australia, he moved into the place that I was in. So we swapped houses. And for like two years, I lived in a place in Terrigal. With this view, I lived above the ice cream shop on the front street, which is now like a, one of those dumpling shops or something. But this was the view I had. When I lived in this house, I went to the beach the least because it was so close. It was just like, why would I walk down there? I can feel the sea breeze. And when I was lucky, I would open it up and I'd have my bacon and eggs. You know, that's bachelor lifestyle right there. This was like living the dream. Everyone loved coming to my place after church. It was amazing. It really was. I didn't embrace it enough. And I used to sit out there on Saturday nights when like the beery was open because you know, if you've ever seen Terrigal on a Saturday night. But I used to sit out there and I just used to strum my guitar and sing worship songs really loud over Terrigal because for some reason when people drink in Terrigal, 
a bunch of the young females who go out to drink end up on the beach just bawling their eyes out. Don't know why. Perhaps maybe good things don't always happen in those situations. So please be safe if you're a young person going into those situations. And I remember one night I was just singing prayer and these two boys walked past and there was this one boy and he was out of his mind. He was talking about like depression and he was talking about how he felt like doing very dangerous things to himself and others. And I overheard it from my balcony. And he was, had a friends with him who was trying to calm it down. No, man, you're okay, bro. You're cool. We love you, bro. We, you're cool. We love you, bro. And I just led over the balcony. I said, hey, you two, I think I can help. Come up here. <laughs> this is no joke. People think that I am crazy. I am. <laughs> One of these dudes could have had a knife. So I was like, okay, go around the back. You'll see the car park. Come up there. They're both fairly intoxicated. This one guy's so, he's like crying. The other guy's trying to calm him down. I'm like, okay, okay, chill, 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 chill. Look, look, I believe in God. They're like, oh, cool. We went to a Catholic school, something along those lines. And I'm like, yeah, cool, sweet. Uh, I just want to, can I just, look, I, I, I don't have the words to say. You're too intoxicated to listen to me anyway. Can I pray for you? Because you seem like you're in the belly of the beast. I didn't say that, but it, I need to say, it fits in with my sermon if I say that to you. Um, <laughs> Uh, it looks like you're in a pretty rough situation. So I start praying for this guy. And I'm like, at this point, I attended a Pentecostal church. So when I say I was praying, I was like, praying. God, would you just come show up in this guy's life? God, would you, would you make him know that he's loved? Would you make him know that he's chosen? God, would you be with him? Would he not feel those emotions? Would he find help, God? I'm just praying, praying, praying. The other guy, the other guy that was like trying to calm him down is just like, I'm like, yeah, bro, you can put his hand on your, you can put your hand on his shoulder too. Because, you know, like Pentecostals, we like to get a hand on the shoulder in there because, you know, the Holy Spirit flows through you like a zap. Joke. Not, that's not true. That's not true. Um, that's, that's not true. Anyway, the one guy says, I've never heard anyone pray like that. That was cool. Then the other guy's like, you should come to the gym with us and work on your chest. <laughs> Because I, I pray like a tough guy, but I ain't no tough guy. I was crazy. But, you know, I believe, I, I don't know what happened in that story because they left and I, I don't know what, I don't know the result. So it's not here being like, hey, praise report, that guy got saved. And then he was on an airplane one day and he was praying for the pilot who was sick. And, uh, and then everyone on the airplane got saved and they all got off and got baptized. It's not that kind of a story. But I can tell you this, I'm passionate about prayer when people are in the belly of the beast. Even if you don't have the right words to say, like scripture word, I would get sola scriptura tattooed on my arm. I believe in just the word, but I also believe in passion. And I also believe that God moves through us in prayer. I believe that God is alive and living. He's not just some old dude in a book. In this story, you know, Jonah got swallowed by a huge fish. And in high schools, particularly when I teach scripture, or when, I do, when we do Alpha courses and people have questions, they're like, yeah, but what about that story with the fish? <laughs> with that fish that, you know, swallowed the dude. That doesn't sound very legit. And then, and then, and then the atheists are like, yeah, whales can't swallow humans, their throat's too small. And then the Christians are like, it doesn't say whale, it says big fish. <laughs> As if that fixes anything. 
And then I read it. The, I read this Christian blog trying to explain the fish. It must have been a sperm whale because it's the only fish or, or whale that has a large enough throat. But he was probably a slender man because it's not really that big. Like Jonah had to go to the gym as well. Everyone cares about the fish. So the Christians make these excuses. Then the atheists say, yeah, but there's no oxygen in a fish's lungs. Well, something like that. That's what I read from these atheist blogs, which I frequent. Um, uh, and, it's, and we're like, and, uh, and, and, oh, okay, so he's, he's wrapped in seaweed, is he? What about the stomach juices? Christians get so caught up on this, right? Like trying to make excuses. Like the Bible's real because, well, God can make any fish he wants. I wonder if the story, though, is not about the fish. And I remember I was in the Alpha course one time with someone asking about the fish, because everyone always asks about the fish. That and, well, how'd the dinosaurs get on the ark? (laughs) You're missing the point. I remember telling this person, I believe the story of the fish is this. When you are heading in the wrong direction, God will do anything. He will break the laws of biology. He'll break the laws of physics. He'll break the, he will do anything, including have you swallowed by a big fish to get you heading in the right direction. That's what I believe, young person. That's what I believe, older persons. I believe that if you find yourself in the belly of the beast, I wonder if God is trying to head you in the right direction. And I wonder if you find yourself in any, I believe that God will do anything. If you are heading in the wrong direction, God will break all the rules. He'll break all the rules to get you in the right direction, including send his only son. In fact, in, uh, better check the reference. In Matthew 12, 38, Jesus talks like the Pharisees. Some people are asking Jesus. They're like, well, how do we know that you're really the son of man, the son of God? How do we really know you're the Messiah? And Jesus is like, you'll know by the sign of Jonah. The son of man will be in the, in the heart of the earth for three days. He'll go through hell for you. And, th- and he'll come back. He'll be spat out on the third day. Like that's what we celebrate at Easter. And that's how you'll know. And that's what I believe, and that's how I know, because God will do anything to get you headed in the right direction, including put his only son, including this God himself with skin and bone on, to go through the belly of the beast on a cross to make sure that you can be in relationship with him, because God will do whatever it takes, anything it takes, to make sure that you start heading in the right direction. And I don't know in this room what you're going through. Some of you may feel like you're in the belly of the beast for a multitude of different reasons. There's usually very specific issues in youth ministry. And on Friday nights, I like to speak into those. In fact, over the next term, in the next couple of terms, I want to speak into real practical issues. I'm doing a series called When, When Underline. I'm going to do a bunch of sermons like When Home is Hard, When Parents Fight, When The Teachers Mean to You, When Your Best Friend gets a new friends group, when your parents get divorced, when you fail a test. That's what we're doing in the youth ministry at the moment. I've really got it on my heart to 
help these young people with some very practical biblical wisdom, know how to get through actual issues that they might be facing in life. That's what we're doing in the youth ministry. And uh, there's very practical issues. And I know for this room, we're a multi-generational, intergenerational um, aspect of Narara here in this PM service as we are in the morning service. And so I know there's other issues as well that um, adults go through with workplaces and with, with, you know, even church friends fight sometimes. I know that happens as well. And it can feel like we're in the belly of the beast. And some of us, you might feel like you're in the belly of the beast, like you've been trapped in the belly of the beast because of things that you have never told anyone because you're too afraid to tell anyone. And it breaks my heart and I feel for you. But I pray that your response would be prayer. And I would, be, and I would pray that if there's a way to change your tune, change your mindset, whether it be through actually changing your direction because you keep ending up in this hole and you need to stop ending up in this hole, or whether it be through like helping change your tune by like going to see a counsellor or a psychologist, those things are good too. Or coming to one of the pastors and staff or team for prayer, those things are good too. Would, would, I pray that would be your response. And in a room this size, based on the statistics alone, a quarter of us are probably depressed. Based on the statistics alone. I have been through moments in my life where I've been in the belly of the beast. And I've been so grateful to surround myself with people that have encouraged me to pray. Sorry, I'm getting, when I get passionate, I hit the table. I hope I'm not offending anyone by doing that. I promise I'm a soft, lovable person. <laughs> and to try and change my tune through whatever method possible. Because God loves me and would do whatever it takes to get me in the right direction. And He loves you and do whatever it takes to get you in the right direction. 